Our first podcast, Politics 101 with David Orr, brought to you by Good Government Illinois. For those who know little about me, David Orr, uh, I was in elective office for a long time, nearly 40 years in Chicago and Cook County, as alderman of the 49th Ward in Chicago, as vice mayor under Harold Washington, as unfortunately mayor for a very short time after he passed away, and then for quite a long time as Cook County clerk. I'm delighted that our first guest is Jan Schakowsky, an outstanding congresswoman and a good friend. Jan is at heart an activist and an organizer, which is one of the key reasons why I think she's such an effective congresswoman. So welcome, Jan. Thank you so much, David. And I'm really honored um, to be the first in your podcast. Um, you know, um, the 49th Ward has been where I've lived all the time. You were my Alderman, um, I was so proud of you for being mayor, and then of course as the uh, as the clerk, um, doing such a fabulous fabulous job. So it's been uh, really a thrill to be your friend and also your constituent. Well, thank you, and Jan. Before we get into some of the main focus today, which is on the Democrats' new role as minority in the House and something about the new leadership, something about strategies, how you're gonna govern. Um, but let me go back first, just briefly. I want everyone to know kind of how you got your start. Cause I think it's rel relative to, again, the kind of um, Congresswoman you are. Uh, so you got your start as a consumer activist. And for those who haven't heard that story, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, briefly, I'll just tell you my creation story began when I was a very young housewife living in uh, the uh, suburbs of, of Chicago with two little kids. Um, then I would go shopping and they would often be in the shopping cart. Um, this was in 1969. And I realized back then that there was no way for a consumer, most of whom were women in the grocery store, to know how old the food was, how long it had been on the, uh, on the shelf. And that included the perishables and certainly any of the, 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 the cans and bottles. Um, and so um, a small group of women got together. Some of you may know Jackie Kendall. She was one of them, great friend. And we created, all six of us, an organization called National Consumers United. Because we figured if we wanted to know how old the food was, um, probably everyone did. Um, and um, so we began what was essentially a guerrilla campaign and we pushed stock boys, they were all boys, against the shell to make them tell us, how do you know how to put the old food in front to rotate the shelves? And we found out that they had these secrets like, um, the, uh, the color of the twist on the end of the bread would tell you if it was Monday or Tuesday. Anyway, um, and then we would do store inspections, which was very subversive because if you have more than one woman, and especially with a clipboard, walking together in the grocery store, Kirkland and Ellis, the uh, law firm in Chicago, actually called our husbands at work and said, do you know what your wife is doing while you're at work? 
Um, and all the husbands were just fine about that. And we, uh, we threatened with arrest. Um, we would take the old food off the shelf. And sometimes I'll admit we'd poke holes in the, in the, in, in the products themselves so they couldn't put them back. And we found things that were days, weeks, months, and years beyond the date that they said should be sold. Um, and so we um, also invited the media to be with, you know, with us. And it was kind of this uh, suburban housewife, um, you know, uh, event going on and uh, guerrilla activities going on. And it got a lot of press. And finally, Jewel began to say, come to Jewel, we have crushed estates on food. And it wasn't much more than a year that it began to um, snowball and dates appeared on food. And now it's pretty much um, ubiquitous almost everywhere, although I still find things that don't have dates on there. Um, and so it was such an empowering experience, David, as a young, inexperienced, didn't know anything about the food industry or organizing, but I was propelled forward. It's contagious. You can't help it. Once you win something, you feel like, what else could I do? Maybe I could, you know, not just change something cosmetic in the grocery store, though I still think it's important, um, but, um, you know, maybe I can help change the world. Well, it led to a great political career, and it says a lot about you, but it's also important that um, there's so many things like that, a very simple thing, but how dangerous that is, the products on the shelves that might be dangerous to your health, and, but again, a, a group of, of women got together and raised holy hell and won that big victory. In fact, sometimes I think if I was young, and I was starting in all this stuff. I'd, I'd want to be a consumer activist because there's so many things that drive me nuts. And I could go on, but I'm not. Airlines, we'd start there and go on down. But uh, so anyway, let's get, get to the main focus now on the big change. You know, we can talk about the election, of course, but uh, the good news is there was no great red wave. Um, but we are going to be the minority in the House. And uh, you know the players here. You know, your, your good friend Nancy Pelosi will no longer be I had a leadership, but it looks like it got a pretty good team. Tell us about the team and tell us about how you think you can be effective uh, in a minority in this case. Well, I think the um, party that's trying to figure out how to be effective right now is more likely to be the Republicans. Um, you know, there, as you pointed out, there was no red wave. And I have to tell you, David, I don't know if you were among those like I was that said, I never thought for a minute that they were going to, um, you know, just swamp us in the uh, election in, the, in last November. I never thought that. Well, I, didn't I thought know. the American people were smarter and I kept preaching the fact that the pundits and the pollsters have been wrong time after time. And if we just work and get out the vote, then we can prevail. And of course, I think tomorrow, I don't know when you're gonna play this, but I think that we're gonna see Senator Warnock um, prevail in Georgia and we'll have a, an even larger uh, majority now in the Senate. Okay, so we didn't win um, the majority back in the, House of in the House of Representatives. I have been most of my career since 1999 in the minority. 
but it's never been with Republicans like we have right now, never. I was there the whole George W. Bush administration and while we disagreed on important things like the war in Iraq, we actually got stuff done because um, Republicans at the time thought that compromise was how you legislate. You, you don't get everything you want. This group is not really like that. Well, we'll see how they behave. I'm gonna bring lots of popcorn on um, January 3rd to see if they're gonna be able to elect a Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy, um, you have to have a real majority um, of all the members, and that means that just about every single Republican is gonna to have to vote for the, the speaker because they have a very slim margin. We're not quite sure exactly if it's two or four seats, and it's not very many seats. Kevin McCarthy had 33 of his colleagues in, the, um, in his uh, Republican conference vote against him. So I, I really don't know how they're going to be able to, um, to elect someone. On our side, we had a slim majority all the last Congress as well, with Nancy Pelosi as our incredible speaker. I think she'll go down in history as the best and most effective speaker ever in the United States of America. We had unity. We got bills done. Our achievements in the 117th Congress will go down in history as perhaps the most effective session of Congress. Um, and, um, and, and here we are now with having the Republicans with a slim majority. Um, I honestly, so here's my, here's my strategy. And I think um, that uh, Hakeem Jeffries will be a, an excellent leader, the first um, African-American to ever to, to be in that, in that position. Um, Catherine Clark, um, woman um, to, to be, a, well, she's not the first because Nancy uh, has been always the first among women, but she will be the, uh, the, the, the whip. We, we have wonderful, we have wonderful leaders that we just elected. I have very much confidence. This is of course the um, handoff, like in a relay race to a younger generation. Um, but um, I, I honestly think we have to do two things. One, look to the White House, look to the administration. There are going to be things that the president on his own can do. There's limits to executive orders, but there are some things he can do. We want to work with the agencies because I have been told that there are some things about the Affordable Care Act that could be strengthened. And, and, and we can look at those kinds of things to deliver for the American people. And two, we have to be able to work with some of the Republicans. And I have to tell you this, the chairman of the Consumer Protection and Commerce Subcommittee in the House of Representatives, we have passed an enormous number of bills, perhaps more than any other subcommittee, um, and pass them out of the House of Representatives, some are law now, um, that protect con consumers, children in particular, um, drive, uh, auto uh, drivers and pedestrians, a lot of bills, including 
out of a, I'm hoping still yet to get done, a comprehensive national privacy bill. So on some levels, that is in the committees, we have been successful in doing some um, bipartisan work. Um, but um, if the Republicans persist on saying they're gonna do all kinds of investigations um, of, the, uh, of the president and his son, and, and they're gonna you know, dog, then, then we're, we're not gonna have a friendly session at all in the, in the Congress. And frankly, I think the American people are tired of this kind of stuff, of the Republicans just going after um, people, of being so vicious, um, of supporting anti-Semitism, uh, you know, and, um, and just what we saw on January 6th. So I, I honestly think that they're gonna have to be very careful or, and I'm hoping that it will basically be two years of Republicans in the majority and that two years from now, Democrats can take the House back. Good. Are there any people, you might not be able to mention this publicly, but I'm, I'm sure both sides, like you're aware of Republicans that you know, might not be you know, crazy right, that might be available on certain very close votes. And of course, they're probably looking for Democrats that would be more in line with what they want. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, which is important because their margin is so small. And I even like, you know, the, the Marriage Act recently, things like this where, where, whether it's the good organizing or in some cases where you have the votes, that you can show to the American people uh, the vast contrast uh, between what at least most of the Democratic Party wants and most Republican Party wants. Um, anyway, so uh, speaking well, we of that, have, we have ahead. two kinds. We have two kinds of Republicans that have been disappointing. You mentioned already. You know, we have the far right, some of the the, the crazies that uh, you know have consistently been supporting the insurrection, etc. But by the way, I do want to point out that um, 140 Republicans, including Kevin McCarthy, who wants to be the speaker, voted against certifying Joe Biden as the president of the United States on January 6th. They went down to the floor and they voted no. So it, it, it is pretty shocking. I would characterize those, however, many of them as cowardly. You've got the crazies and then you've got the cowards that are afraid of their own constituents and think that if somehow they were to betray Donald Trump or speak out against him, um, although he keeps making it easier and easier to speak against them, that um, they, they will lose their elections. And there's a lot of those people. There are a handful, I think, that will truly want to work on a number of issues with the Democrats. And one of the things that I'm hoping for is that we can move ahead um, on uh, gun violence. You know, we did pass um, the... Um, Community safe, safer communities uh, act. That was good. Um, that that made some important changes um, in, in the legislation. First time in thirty years that we were able to do that. But the House, the Democratic House, voted for an assault weapons ban. I am hoping, maybe not 
that, but that we can move ahead on gun violence. Not because the Republicans have necessarily seen the light. They have seen the voters and voters, the vast majority support sensible gun legislation. So I, I think that that may be uh, an arena to, to get some, you know, some things done. I think consumer protection, as I said in my committee, that we may be able to continue to do some important work, especially when it has to do with children. Um, we have bipartisan, bipartisan support, but several of the committees, and I'm hoping when it comes to climate, that we're gonna be able to um, get some things done because after all, the private sector is ahead of where most of the um, Republicans are. They are not, in, by and large, looking to help big oil, big gas. So I'm hoping we can, we can do that. And, but let me say one more thing, David. I think if you, if you look around and, and test, even on polls, the American people, by and large, stand with us. They, um, you saw on um, LGBTQ rights, we're trying maybe even now to get a vote to open up the time limit on the um, women's rights amendments. Um, most people agree with that. Most Americans are for reproductive rights. I mean, it's overwhelmingly popular. It's not just a democratic issue. It's all, you know, a vast majority. So if you ask the American people things that help the, the everyday family, they're with us, not with the, the Republicans who want to stifle any kind of advances for regular people. Yeah, I, I agree. And I want to get into that a little bit more about this fascinating situation where on many of the big issues of the day, the public is clearly, uh, what you might say, on more on the Democratic side, uh, and maybe some of the reasons why they're still uh, able to do some of the things they do. But let me ask you about the, the, the rail strike now that's been um, averted, because uh, that had some hot parts to it. Um, what, what do you have to say about that, uh, particularly um, the part that the Republicans wouldn't go along with paid sick leave, which is particularly uh, valuable, of course, to um, almost all workers, but particularly in this case, because they had to work uh, through the pandemic, et cetera. They work on very dangerous jobs. So there were actually two bills I voted. I, I, I mean, I realized what the impact on the economy would be if we um, had a real strike. It would have been especially horrible during the holiday season. Um, it would have, uh, I think, hurt the president. So I, but, but I absolutely um, supported, you know, I'm a dues paying uh, member of Workers United every month. I'm a union member, but so I certainly, I voted in favor of the um, sick leave. I mean, really. But I have to tell you, I am all, have also been on the budget committee and you, you would just be shocked at the contempt that you can hear from the Republicans um, on the rights of workers, the rights of poor people. It's just shocking to me that um, I, I, I think to myself, you know, what world do you live in? Um, and especially during the pandemic, when of course um, the rail workers did, did, did work. 
But so many women had to leave jobs that they might have continued with in order to, because they couldn't get um, childcare, um, you know, they had to, to stay home and, you know, I don't know who they hang out with. I guess it's just rich people that do well. I don't know, uh, you know, and, and white people. But um, it's it's really disturbing, especially when it comes to organized labor. You know, they 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 take every opportunity to do a swipe, and that's why I am so excited about the referendum that passed in Illinois, the workers' rights amendment is, I'm so proud of Illinois in so many different ways. Um, Reproductive rights, uh, workers' rights, it's, you know. It's a good good sign because it was fairly clear that overwhelming, you know, Democrats supported that and Republicans didn't. But just briefly on the sick leave, I think it's really important uh, that we've, whether it's, you know, local states or, or if there's something the feds can do here, um, and, you know, just one quick story, um, because you're a close friend of my wife's, Kim Bobo, uh, and when she was organizing for sick leave in Virginia, um, there was this hearing, and all the big chicken manufacturers came in, and people were all sitting there, and then one of the people on the committee in the middle of this battle said, and, and asking the question to the uh, chicken manufacturers, well, you guys have sick leave, don't you? And there was silence in the room. And they finally said no. And all of a sudden, you've got a, a room packed with hundreds of people that are, that are thinking, wait a second, all these people who are cutting up all these chickens all day, even with gloves on, you know, they're, they're sick and they have to work because they don't get any sick time off. Anyway, it, it kind of shows, again, how barbaric the parts of our system are. And but I, I want to raise that in the yeah, sense. I, if I could just, if yeah, I could go just ahead. add to that, sure. because it all boils down to maximizing profits. That is what these companies look at. Never mind these individuals. And I'm not sure what Kim worked with if we're also talking about very often their immigrant families, they're certainly low-income families trying to put food on the table. And, but no, um, and, and I, I guess they feel like, well, you know, if we can just uh, force people to work at low wages without any benefits, um, you know, that's, that's what we're, we're gonna do. And, and it's just wrong, it just is. And that's what we have to strive for, that there ought to be universal paid leave, um, that, there, that all kinds of benefits, and certainly we ought to be able to uh, promote the right to organize, the right to organize. Well, let, let me ask, um, it's kind of a, a sensitive one here, because I've, I've seen a number of experiences where, in general, the Democrats are much more supporter of what we call working people's issues uh, all across the board, including health issues that you've worked on uh, so frequently. But I also have watched campaigns in which those important issues sometimes are ignored. At and then often causing the Democrats to lose. And for me, I'm always struggling with why don't Democrats sometimes push harder on these things they really believe in, whether it's sick, uh, you, know, you know, wages and benefits for workers, uh, all these kinds of things. And of course, I worry about how much they soften their stand around elections because of the 
uh, incredible need to raise huge amounts of money uh, to get reelected. Um, I noticed that in Virginia, I, I, I was shocked uh, a few years ago that they lost the governorship um, who have a guy that might be running for president. They had done so many good things for people. They expanded Medicare, they did all sorts of things, and yet those weren't discussed that much in the election cycle. So I, I do worry about the desire for money and how that can make some Democrats, uh, how can we say, too cautious. So I, I think in general, the Democrats, because we we certainly have a message team and um, we have had great candidates that um, I think are, are doing a, a, a great job. And I think there are some examples maybe of people who have trimmed um, their progressive agenda uh, and not spoken enough about, uh, about, about workers. And of course, you know, some of them have been in very difficult um, situations. David, I would actually say that the challenge that we have had in this last cycle has not been that as much as gerrymandering so that some of the districts have been made much more um, difficult, more Republican, harder to, uh, to, to, to work in. Um, and, um, and money, of course, one of, one of the bills that we have repeatedly passed um, is HR uh, one on uh, democracy is to get the big money out of politics, um, and there's no question about it on both sides of the aisle. And I, you know, it, it would be good for um, elections not to be so dependent on the big money that uh, that. But but I, but I also think that over the years, what we've seen is that small donors have be, played a bigger role um, than ever before in, 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 in elections. Um, I mean, the, the money that's now going into Senator Warnock in, uh, in Georgia, um, I mean, it's just pouring in. And I think it, a lot of it is just small, smaller donors saying, we are not gonna let Herschel Walker be the senator in, in, in Georgia. There's no way. And I, and I look forward, um, you know, to having good results, but honestly, I've been I, I I was part of the recruitment committee for candidates this time. I've been all around. I, I really do think that redistricting um, hurt us. It certainly hurt us in um, New York. Honestly, if that map hadn't gone through, Democrats would be in the uh, in the majority right now, um, and. Um, you know, we, we won elections in places where a lot of uh, pundits would say that was just absolutely not possible to, uh, to, to win. So I, I, I think um, that the strength of messages that reach ordinary people that um, present to them, your life can be made better by voting for Democrats um, I, I really think we were we were quite unified. I don't see. I know what you're talking about. I didn't see it so much in this cycle, and that's why I think we surprised all uh, the uh, pollsters and pundits um, because we ran on a people's agenda, people over politics, um, and uh, 
So I think we're, we're moving in the right direction, but we have not made enough progress in getting this big money out. I mean, we're talking about house races that are in the multi-million dollars that our candidates have to raise, which what does that mean? That means that they're on the phone more than they are in the field. And you know, I'm a big, and I know you are too, you're big about door knocking and reaching actual you know, constituents and, and talking to them as more important. But yet um, we also had, I think the mo most robust field operations that we've ever had as well. So it's get, let's just get the big money out. I, 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 think, um, I think you're very right to point out, particularly this last election, um, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, I mean, there was an amazing amount of smaller donations. There was the field work. There was what we haven't even touched on. We all know the incredible power uh, of not just women, but those who are concerned about reproductive rights. So that was all very helpful. But the other thing I like to talk about, maybe it's the professor in me at times, is to understanding what the challenge is if you are, let's say, a Democrat trying to do these things. And it, it wasn't the same... Remember when I first uh, was running for office, uh, we had a U.S. senator. Um, I was running, of course, against the machine here in Chicago. We had a U.S. senator named, named Charles Percy, a Republican, that actually supported me. The Republican Party has changed so much, and the system has changed. And so now, um, if you, you understand the Senate and how totally undemocratic that is, and if you study the right-wingers, and what they want, they know if they can use the court, just like you said, to overcome majorities against them by going back to kind of a states' rights philosophy. States, states get to decide about redistricting, which is, of course, absurd on its basis. As states may get to decide about abortion and the, the right to reproductive rights, uh, and on and on again. So uh, it is important for... Um, folks to understand how the DAC is so stacked, which makes it even more significant at how the great red wave was prevented recently and, and keeping the Senate. And of course, as we're speaking right now, we don't even know uh, what happens tomorrow in, in Georgia. Um, so, so let me um, ask a couple other things, uh, Jan. Sure. What do you think? Go ahead. Did you want to say something? To that no, one? no, I'm saying sure. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Trump investigation. Okay. What do you think happens now? Well, we're going to get a report. Um, we're going to get a couple of things, other things too. We're going to get um, the um, tax returns um, <laughs> over to um, the, the House committees on, uh, you know, Trump and see, you know, what he's been doing. Um, I think the um, I, I think we're we're going to see that we're going to have more action, maybe even indictment um, of uh, the former president. Um, so I I think even in the short period that is left, I, the January sixth, I think the the committee has been outstanding um, and has really presented to the American people. Um, what they needed to see, what they and, and continued to do it um, about what happened on, on, on January 6th. It was just magnificent. And I have to tell you, 
one of the historic mistakes that I think Kevin McCarthy, who has been the minority leader made, was to say, we're not gonna participate in the January 6th committee. Great, we had um, Liz Cheney, we had, you know, so, um, and an amazing presentation, mostly interviewing Republicans and, um, you know, hearing from them what had really happened. So, you know, look, I would love to see um, the arrest of uh, Donald Trump. I mean, nothing, nothing would give it a perp walk of Donald Trump. I don't know what it would look like would be appropriate given, given what he has, uh, has done. But I'm not sure what the Justice Department exactly has in mind. And I'm hoping that it's tough and I hope it's prompt and uh, that the report from the uh, committee is gonna be really, really strong and compelling as their presentations have been. Yes, and uh, I mean, Trump obviously has committed so many crimes. Uh, our challenge in the future uh, is to try and, uh, there are people that are as crazy kind of right as he is, but they may be a little shooter and smarter. So we'll have to be careful about that. Uh, let me just mention one other thing. Uh, again, because I do think it was very significant, significant this past election. There were amazingly uh, bad things uh, under the uh, voter suppression issue. Okay. Uh -huh. And, you know, we still did pretty well, but I, I always worry about that because of my former job. But I just want to mention, keep in mind, even in Georgia, okay, uh, and what's going on right now there, uh, the law they passed dramatically affected people. And yeah. so the when they pass these laws that say uh, uh, the officials cannot send out, uh, you know, applications that hundreds of thousands of people want so they can vote by mail, or we restrict the time, or we don't have as many uh, boxes that you can put it in, all those kinds of things, uh, that's a tremendous burden on people who have problems with health or kids or all sorts of things, uh, and yet, uh, again, we'll see about tomorrow. Um, I do believe the Biden administration and others were wise to keep pointing out that the vast majority of Americans do not believe in the kind of voter suppression uh, that George and other states are doing. Although right. it, it can affect these elections dramatically. I don't know whether or not it did in Wisconsin. Uh, the other issue we have to worry about in the future was um, what it looked like from the preliminary information is a decline in black voter turnout in some key states. Um, so that's just a, a challenge. Again, back to the messaging thing that you mentioned, how we make sure people understand despite all the screaming on the right um, that most of you look at the legislation carefully um, that's proposed by Democrats is the support of, of um, and individual rights and worker rights. Um, well, you know, they are in favor of states' rights when it comes to voting. And so, of course, those states and, and when the um, civil, the, the, the uh, what are called, uh, militias, uh, oh, what, what, you know, when we had legislation that would have required states that tend to do this kind of voter suppression would have to get permission, remember? And then 
Um, and then they um, took that section of the Voting Rights Act out of the law. Um, and, and the minute that they did that, all these Southern states set in place those voter suppression laws. I'm John Lewis, who is a great friend of mine, was still alive when that happened. And you know, he almost several times gave his life to try and protect the right to vote in the United States of America. What we need is a national standard for voting rights, period. We cannot leave it to the states. You know, um, you had, um, as the uh, as clerk, you were able to do certain things um, in terms of machines, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I understand that there's some flexibility for states and localities to, to, to deal with elections. But in terms of the fundamental rights and protection of that right to vote, we need to have a, 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 a national standard. Now, of course, we're stuck right now with a, uh, with a Supreme Court. And by the way, I support legislation that would rebalance the court, that would actually add some people to the, 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 the court. And you know, we remember now that there are at least two, maybe three stolen seats on the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell said, oh no, Barack Obama can't have his nominee because it's you know, just under a year to the election, let the voters decide. And that what Coney Barrett was uh, sworn in, the election was already in progress. They don't care. You also pointed out that the Senate of the United States is probably the least small d democratic body in all of de demo democracies across the world. Exactly right. Um, you know, when, when you've got uh, the tiniest states, um, Wyoming having uh, two votes and then California, Illinois having two senators. Um, I mean, it, and then you add on top of that the filibuster and you have to have 10 more votes in order to get something done. It's just wrong. Um, and, and so, you know, we face a number of obstacles to hate, make our democracy stronger. Um, and um, hopefully we'll be able to, with the votes that we have in the Senate, um, get past some of these uh, obstacles. But, you know, we're gonna have to fix the Supreme Court. We're gonna have to um, make sure that we elect more Democrats next cycle in the House and Senate. You know, if we had won this November, the House would have passed, for example, um, the um, Women's Reproductive Health Act mm -hmm. that would have codified Roe v. Wade. It would have gone to the Senate. It would have passed. The president would have signed it into law. And no matter what the Supreme Court said, what the people in the House and Senate and, and White House would have overridden that we would have been able to eliminate that. So that's painful that we weren't able to do it this year. Um, but, um, you know, going forward, hopefully we're gonna be able to, to, to get it done. And, and you know, you, you, we can kind of conclude in here about those things that we said earlier, kind of stacked against those who wanna seek some significant change to help people. But the, the good news, despite all those difficult things, is that in a lot of these key states, 
people turned out. For whatever reasons, they turned out because they were worried about democracy. They turned out for reproductive rights, a whole host of things. Um, so, I mean, hopefully as we move forward, we're going to win some of these battles. Um, I do believe uh, you guys will be pretty sharp at strategizing. And if it is McCarthy and his razor thin uh, majority, it's going to be difficult. Um, so uh, I want to thank you, Jan, for what you do every day and for joining us today. Um, and you have your work cut out for you, and we'll all be looking for uh, suggestions about how to help help you. If, if I if I if I could, David, just uh, end on your note, and that is organize, 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 turn out, turn out, turn out. That when we fight, we win. Um, young people are more mobilized than they have been, and uh, we need to also make sure that we protect. Um, and get the seniors out because they want to go after Social Security and Medicare. They don't care. The Republicans are willing to do that. Um, and so it's way more than what we do in the Congress. In fact, I, I would say that what people do, the organizing that happens, the everyday people who get involved are more important and influence what we end up doing in the in the Congress. When we fight, we win. I couldn't agree more, Jan. The more people realize they can make a difference, it's hard to realize it sometimes. And we saw it in so many cases this past election. Uh, so again, thanks to leaders like you. I hope uh, we can keep that up and convince more people to stay active like our uh, young woman many years ago back in 1969 say, hey, I want to find out why there's not dates on this product in the store. So I want to thank you. Uh, keep up the good work. And by the way, I think you're going you're gonna to have a continuing position in leadership. Is that correct? Well, that hasn't totally been served, uh, decided, but I'm sure I'll be uh, a leader of the, uh, of the WIP team. And I'm hoping for sure that I'll be chairman of my, uh, of my subcommittee and I'll be fighting in every venue that I can. Great. I'm sure you will. Okay, Jan, thanks so much. Appreciate your time and all your suggestions for us. Take care. Thank you.